Connecting Coaches Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world? This week, I've really been reflecting on the joy of seeing the world through small children's eyes. Um, it has been so fun to be able to connect with some little first graders who are like, of course I know that's 17. Why wouldn't I know that number of 17? And and the joys of these small learning moments um, as I'm reflecting with teachers and being able to celebrate some of our, our early data for this year. But uh, personally, this week has been fun. It was my daughter, my younger daughter's birthday, and it has been a tradition that um, when you turn five, you get to go ride a pony for the first time. So we got to go as a family and and enjoy all of the wonderment of riding a pony for the first time and being able to pet all the animals and all of the things. Well, I won't tell you. I mean, I'm going to tell you, but um, it's not something I advertise. But growing up, our neighbors had their own pony that they rented out for birthday parties. So for like, I think from probably four years old to like eight years old, every year I had a pony come to my birthday party because it was our friends down the street. So I was a little spoiled. Oh, do not share that with my girls. (laughs) (laughs) It would have never happened if our neighbors weren't the ones with the pony. But yes, I had neighbors that owned a pony. Well, we love to have it um, ever since they could even toddle this little farm park and, um, At one point, Stella actually got bit by the cow, so she was a little bit um, hesitant to go back. But getting her there for her pony ride got her back to the farm and loving her happy place. And this year, Lucy got to have her turn and get to shine in the sun. And then we finished out the day with her very first blizzard because I don't know how you've lived five years without having a blizzard. So, you know, that that was kind of the fun of the weekend. And it was just so simple, but yet so beautiful and Um, so I just am loving sharing in those really small, joyful moments in the start of this year. It's five years too long without a blizzard. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. So, you know, we, we really make them work for it at our house, right? (laughs) Seriously. Oh, well, they do, they got to learn how to unload the dishwasher before they can get blizzards. See, it's all, it's all a progression. Makes sense. (laughs) Tell me what's going on in your world, Courtney. Um, really just diving into te- with teachers. Um, we have a new language arts uh, pilot going. So I have some pilot teachers who are super excited to be piloting a new curriculum and just loving their enthusiasm and their openness and willingness to coach around the new curriculum um, has been really neat to watch um, and how, you know, coaching just dovetails so nicely into that rollout of that new curriculum. Absolutely. And having that think partner as you're wrestling with it the first time, you are such a valuable asset to them. I know it. Yeah, it's been good to dive into that work. And then I get to learn the new curriculum alongside of them as well. Totally. Today, we're so lucky to have Dr. Nathan Langrad, who's an educator, speaker, and author. He's the vice president of strategy at Savvis Learning. 
Throughout his career, he has served as a teacher, elementary school administrator, high school administrator, and university adjunct professor. He is the director of elementary curriculum and instruction for Metropolitan Nashville Public Schools, as well as education supervisor at NASA's Johnson Space Center. He was also the chief education officer at We Video. He serves at the U.S. State Ambassador for Climate Action Project, a collaboration between the United Nations, World Wildlife Fund, NASA, and Jane Goodall Institute, and an advisor for TAG, Take Action Global. Nathan is the author of Everyday Instructional Coaching, The New Art and Science of Teaching Mathematics, co-authored with Dr. Robert Marzano. We video Everyday Mathematics Unit Planning in a PLC at Work, Instructional Coaching Connection, The Boundless Classroom with James Witte, and The Teachers of Oz, co-authored with Herbie Rad. Welcome today. We're so excited to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Violet. It's so great to be here and to be talking to you today. Well, we are honored to have you here in our presence, and we really want to start with a little background about you, Nathan. Can you tell us a little bit about your background in education and in coaching and um, a little bit of your history? Yeah, sure. I started off as a teacher. I didn't think I actually was going to be a teacher growing up. I actually wanted to be a meteorologist, but the college I attended didn't have a meteorology program, so I got into, I, I thought the, the closest program to meteorology would be a chemistry education degree, so I chose that one, thinking that I might get into meteorology later on. But it turns out when I chose that degree, I fell in love with learning and education, and of course, um, uh, definitely love the sciences and chemistry, so I became a chemistry teacher. So that's how I started off my teaching career, and then um, had some time at the NASA Johnson Space Center, which was uh, such a really a wonderful opportunity. Um, I've also been an elementary uh, administrator, high school administrator. I've been a, a district curriculum and instruction director, um, and now I work uh, in the, the curriculum side of things, and I'm a learning solutions leader in the curriculum world. So um, I have always very much respected the work of instructional coaches, and, and really I'm passionate about coaching because uh, I myself have been surrounded by so many wonderful coaches. It always is amazing to me. Our guests always have these crazy paths um, that have brought them around to coaching. And who would have thought chemistry could eventually lead to this great um, career in coaching? Uh, yeah, exactly right. Yep. <laughs> we, we, not, we may not be balancing equations, but we definitely do a whole lot of high-level thinking and problem-solving. Definitely. Um, if you could share with us, what is your definition of a coach? You know, for me, coaching truly is about support and, and partnership. And I hope that doesn't sound too much uh, like a cliche for your audience, uh, because I know that much has been written around coaching. But I, I do truly believe it is someone who can be a cheerleader, someone who uh, can help a teacher think through the different challenges that education brings, and also someone um, who can provide a level of support through just experiences together, uh, of partnering together in the classroom around the common goal of really just enhancing teaching practices and helping students learn better. 
It's wonderful that you relift those. You said maybe that's obvious for our listeners, but support and partnership is what it always goes back to. And so I'm glad that you relifted that today for that. Tell us, Nathan, can you tell us a little bit about your very first instructional coach back when you were a newer teacher? Um, I know I have valued my first coach and held on to her for my entire educational career here 15 years in. Can you tell us a little bit about your first experience in coaching with your coach? Love to. Yes, I had a phenomenal coach, and I was lucky enough to have a coach during my first year of teaching. And, and as everyone knows, I'm sure your listeners know, we've all been a first-year teacher at one point, and it's definitely one of the most challenging and rewarding experience because you're so excited. You've been working towards it. You finally have your own classroom, and you're designing instruction, and then you quickly realize how overwhelming it can be. And I had a, a wonderful first-year instructional well, I was a first-year teacher. <laughs> the instructional coach was definitely not. She had many years of experience. And the, the thing that I, I most uh, just so enjoyed about working with her is the level of, of trust that she was able to cultivate from the very beginning. I never felt, as a first-year teacher, of course, you are hungry for knowledge and different ways of, of, of strategies. And, and, you know, I, that's something I always was curious about, like, what would you do? What kind of strategy would you have for this? Or um, what are your thoughts about this small group that I'm facilitating or this lab that we're engaged in? So just to have someone to, to be there, feeling like they were a true partner, um, not feeling like I was being evaluated or feeling like as a first-year principal or as a first-year teacher that the coach was going to go um, and share with the principal um, that maybe they should have regretted hiring me or something. As a first-year teacher, you always have those those question marks. So uh, it was it was such a great experience for me, and I so appreciate having such a wonderful coach. Yeah, those coaches and mentors that first year are so important. I feel like it's really a make or break uh, for new educators, especially brand new um, educators coming in um, this year, especially after as the pandemic hopefully winds down here. I think those mentor and coaching relationships are even more important. Definitely. Yes, agreed. And something we struggle with as coaches is how do you give meaningful feedback to educators while still staying in that coaching role? We hear a lot of the time from our teachers, we want more feedback during coaching cycles, but we have that line of not entering into that evaluative territory and wanting to still stay in the coaching role. You know, I look at it as in any kind of um, relationship, be it, you know, a friendship or it's a family member where there's a level of trust and you ask for advice or for support and for guidance. And so I think it can work in similarly in a, in a coach-teacher relationship where that feedback doesn't have to feel evaluative. And I, I do think the important piece of, of that is the relational work that has to be done throughout the year. It has to be organic. It can't be some kind of a forced relationship. There really has to be an effort on both sides, but typically the coach has to initiate that conversation and start from the very beginning articulating what the goals are for the coach and the teacher, articulating the purpose of the coach and, and how that role truly is there to help support. And and even from a perspective of, of hey, I, I 
I'm inviting here with you and, and, you know, we're, we're going to tackle these, these problems together, you know, so approaching it from that perspective and, and you don't feel like the coach is somehow um, in a hierarchical kind of position where they're above you. Um, I think establishing that early on allows feedback to flow naturally without feeling evaluative or like there's some kind of hierarchy in place. I appreciate you bringing that sentiment of really sitting by side by side with them and finding that um, that sense of equalness and being able to have that rapport and relationship to build the trust over time. Yeah, you absolutely started to touch on this, but I want to see if you can drill in a little more for us, Nathan, that you started to talk about building empathy with teachers. Can you give us some more insight on how coaches can be really effective at that? You know, I, I think one of the best ways to build empathy is from a place of honesty and vulnerability and for the coach over time to to be transparent about, you know, not knowing all the answers and not having all of the bits of, of strategies, you know, memorized. And I think sometimes coaches are perceived as these experts in everything. And, and many coaches are very much experts at a lot and have a lot of experience um, to show for. And I think that's fantastic and, and we need that. But at the same time, there's there's no coach out there that has everything down and, and knows the answer to everything. I think being open and honest about that from the very beginning um, is, is really important. You know, for example, I myself was a, uh, a high school science teacher so that I also was an elementary principal and so um, being very honest about hey you know I I was not an elementary first grade teacher um, but I I do know best I do have expertise in pedagogical best practices and uh, I do have these experiences you know x y and z experiences whatever those experiences are for that coach and to be able to say you know I may not have all the experiences you have, which is why this is a partnership. That teacher would have those experiences, um, and then combined with my experiences, we're able to have a more comprehensive view of, of of what the problem might be, and then what the solution could be. Yeah, there's really that power in numbers um, of teachers not feeling like they're in it alone, and then having that coach there. Uh, to bounce ideas off of each other. It's truly about that partnership. Definitely. Uh, you have a wealth of experience. We were wondering if you can um, give us some ways that coaches can support effective team meetings. I know you have the administrative perspective and the coaching perspective on this. Great question. I think team meetings can be very effective, but they can also be very unproductive and very ineffective if not done well. And I think that team meetings have to be extremely purposeful. There has to be a lot of uh, structure, I think, put in place to ensure that team meetings are effective. And when I say structure, I don't mean that we have to follow you know, every two minutes has to be followed to a T and, and we have to follow the agenda exactly. Um, I don't mean that level of, of structuredness. Uh, I do think there should be a kind of a defined autonomy. I like to use that term a lot that, you know, we have within this, this period of time, we have um, outcomes that we'd like to accomplish. We have agreed upon norms of how we're going to work together. We have, you know, we're building trust all, all along the way. We have lots of communication in, in between meetings that way we know exactly who's responsible for what. I think 
I think you can't over-communicate in these instances. <laughs> you know, I think that's always something that's going to be helpful and positive to communicate who's responsible for what, who's collaborating on what project, um, what the next steps are, what are we doing this for, who are we doing this for. Those are all questions we have to continually answer. I, um, I do believe in having a, an agenda. I don't think that... Um, we go into team meetings really without uh, a reason to be there. So to me, if there's not a an agenda or a reason, then there shouldn't be a meeting. And I, I think there's always something we can collaborate on and always something to discuss. So um, I'm a big believer in, in team meetings, in collaboration, but there has to be that structure and order that also exists. I think all of our listeners are nodding that we all appreciate those purposeful meetings where we're on track and we're making sure that we're having the same partnership towards the same goal and we're all getting there together instead of a meeting that is, um, we've all sat through some of those that are disconjointed and don't feel like we're actually accomplishing together. And it, it doesn't help to build that trust and partnership. So I appreciate you outlining all of those pieces for us. And to add another layer to this, this is something that we've discussed a lot on the podcast, um, is balance and being able to be your best self. But we want to hear from you, Nathan. What advice do you have for coaches and really for all educators, since you wear so many different hats, um, to be their best selves both at work and at home? It's such a great question, especially in our world that we live in as educators where there's so much to do and and there's not... the, the infinite amount of resource of time that we all wish we had. And so I think that boundaries become really important for coaches. And I think sometimes as educators, maybe early on, I'm not sure where this comes from, but for some reason there's this, this flawed or kind of skewed um, definition of success of this, of this teacher who never stops working or this coach who never stops working. And so you, you work, 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 and um, you're available through email 24-7 and, um, and you're lesson planning on weekend. And we know that, that, you know, that might help after a couple of weeks. Maybe there's a feeling of productivity, but we know that that can't be sustained, nor should that ever be a goal, nor should we want that to ever be sustained. Um, we have to... Our, I will say our well-being is number one uh, priority. And as a leader and as a coach, that should be the priority for every leader and every coach. Um, the teachers they support and themselves, the, their well-being has to be priority. Uh, and so that means taking care of ourselves at home, um, kind of nurturing those hobbies and, and finding solitude and reading and cooking or hiking or biking, whatever um, kind of feeds your soul um, when you're not at school, then do those things or write or read. Um, I think it's really important to to have those times where you're truly yourself and you're able to really um, unapologetically dive into those things, knowing that when you get back to the school mindset, you have a healthy perspective. You actually could be more creative and more productive because you were able to carve out those times for yourself. I appreciate you mentioning that, that we have to fill our own bucket on the weekends and our time off so we can come back and give our all to our students or to our colleagues or our coaches. Um, because if we're burning the candle at both ends, we're probably not serving anyone very well, including ourselves. Agreed. And we all know that we need to be our best selves in order to coach. So I, it also reminds me of going back to that thought of every coach needs a coach because you need somebody to help you keep that balance and to help you be reflective as well. So that was a powerful statement, Nathan. Thank you. Thank you.
We are going to switch gears just slightly here and run into our rapid fire questions for you. So in roughly 30 seconds or less, um, tell us um, it's your time to shine. Where can we learn from you and more with you? Where can we follow you? And what do you have coming down the pike? It's really hard for you to answer any question in 30 seconds or less. So. <laughs> that is okay. Do, We're not timing. I'll do that again. I'll, I'll do that again. So uh, you can follow me on all those social, uh, most social media networks. Uh, typically, you'll find me at the handle drlangrad, spelled D-R-L-A-N-G-R-A-A-D. And um, I have some books that I've written, and I have another book coming out. So that's uh, the answer to your question, what's coming on the pike. I just, I, well, I just finished a coaching book called Instructional Coaching Connection that came out in the spring. And then I, uh, the next book comes out next summer, uh, sorry, next spring, um, spring of 23. It's called Never Stop Asking, and it's around critical thinking. Wonderful. Well, I can't wait to get my hands on the newest book. So we will be diving into that as soon as it comes out in the spring. And tell us, Nathan, what is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching? I'd say, I would say be loyal to yourself or just be yourself. And and I'm really careful to say, you know, uh, be better or be, be the best version of yourself because to me that comes from a deficit model. And I think just being yourself and being loyal to yourself um, just the, the inherent nature of kind of digging into who you are, um, you're going to grow and thrive just in that process inherently. Be loyal to yourself. That is amazing. I think it's something that we can all continue to work and grow on for sure. Tell us, what is your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move? I think asking questions. And it's not really natural for me because I am such a problem solver by nature and I feel like I'm an empathetic person. So I, I know that sometimes I want to give the answer to help someone out because I feel that level of empathy, but I have um, seen leaders who have been fantastic at asking questions. So I try to say, you know, I have some ideas about that, but first I want to hear your thoughts. And so I would say asking questions. And when you find that as your default, you know you truly have embodied that coaching mindset, right? When you, you go straight to the questioning, that's powerful. Nathan, we are just so appreciative of having you here today and you being able to share some insights with our listeners. Thank you so much for coming, and we hope to connect with you soon. Thank you, Violet. Thank you, Courtney. It was such a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you. Nathan's diverse background in education brought so much to the table today. As he stated, we know there is so much to do in education and boundaries become so important. What boundaries do you need to set so you can make sure your own well-being becomes a priority? Thanks for listening to C3. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at C3 Coaches. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?